0: Hello, my name is Tracy Sinclair, and welcome to Coaching in Conversation the Mastery Series. Mastery in Coaching, and I have the great pleasure of talking with several ICF Master Certified coaches from around the world to understand what mastery really means to them, both as coaching practitioners and also as human beings. We explore many different perspectives and nuances of this topic, and I hope it is of use and interest to you as you continue to navigate your own pathway of development. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Coaching in Conversation with myself, Tracy Sinclair. And on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Shweta Pandagupt as part of our Mastery series. I first met Shweta four or five years ago, actually, when she was a winner of the ICS Global Young Leader Award. And not only was that award very well deserved at that time, but even since then, Shweta has an amazing set of credentials and awards and experiences. She is recognized as one of the leading coaches in India. She coaches CEOs and boards and leadership teams, and she is also currently coaching um, some of India's Fortune 500 businesses um, and also business leaders all around the world. She is a co-founder of QuadraBrain Transformational Solutions, which really focuses on, as she describes it, making the complex change simple. And she is also a director at large uh, and is on the finance committee of the ICF Global Enterprise Board. The key thing I also want to share about Shweta is that what really resonates with me apart from her really amazing qualifications and experience and the incredible work that she is doing in her field is just how sincere and human and accessible Shweta is. Whenever she speaks, I really get a sense of her speaking from the heart. And so I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with her and I hope you do too. Hello, Shweta, and welcome to our podcast conversation. I've been really looking forward to this time to talk with you. And I know you've been flying here, there and everywhere that you've just shared with me so I really appreciate you grounding yourself for some time in between your trips to talk with me so very you're very welcome.
1: Thank you Tracy it's truly like I said it's an honor and a delight to be here
0: with someone I admire so much. Wow thank you thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation and as we were just discussing before we recorded this is part of the podcast series, which is the mastery series, where I'm really interested in talking to some people who have the master, certified coach credential, who I really respect and value. And because I really want to hear your perspectives on what mastery is in coaching and just your perspectives on what that means for our development and our practice in this work. With that in mind, the very obvious open question is, what does mastery in coaching mean to you?
1: Mastery, to start with, for me, mastery is not a place, it's a journey, it's a lifelong journey. Because the only way I feel I can remain masterful is if I continue to observe, if I continue to learn, if I keep working on myself. So that's very important. That is just, it's something that it's a lifelong development thing that I'll be doing forever. And in terms of being masterful or mastery in the moment is where I can be fully focused on my client's best interests everything else full falls naturally. All choices become easy for me when I know that my client's best interest comes before anything else.
0: Mm. Mm. And I'm just really struck by the fact that you started there by saying it's a journey and not a destination or not a point of arrival, which really seems to be a common theme that is coming up and the reason I raise that is because so many people that I interact with who want to get there or want to work towards their MCC somehow do seem to think of it as a destination it's something I have to get and something I have to achieve and therefore What for you is important about that distinction, that it is a journey, it's an ongoing process. Could you say more about that? I think maybe it's also because
1: it was never a destination for me because I didn't imagine reaching it. (laughs) I'll be very honest with you. I I do happen to be one of the very early uh, master coaches in my part of the world. And I think it just happened that because I had honestly not imagined, there were so few, there were barely about five master coaches in my geography at that time. And it was not some a place I imagined myself reaching anytime soon. So I think very early on, I started focusing on my coaching and just that. And the next thing I knew, I was ready for MCC. And again, it was my mentors who told me that, my clients who allowed me to Feel that I was coaching at another level. And I think that feeling has stayed with me that as long as I continue the pursuit of excellence in my work, mastery will be mine. So I think that, that is something that I bring, a thought process that I bring, not just to coaching, but to almost anything that I do. That if I'm constantly improving myself, everything else is just something that will fall into place. And the moment, uh, I stop noticing what's happening the moment I stop noticing. So for me, the journey is, it it also looks like that. It's about being the observer to myself and to everything that I'm doing, that when I stop noticing what I'm doing, what's happening, how I'm showing up, then I could also lose mastery. It's just not something that I've achieved for life. So in that way, it's, it's forever a journey because... I forever have to be the observer to myself as I am to my clients. And as long as I keep observing myself, I think I'll stay with mastery.
0: Mm, That's wonderful. Two really interesting things coming up for me there, Shweta, from what you said. One is, if I've interpreted you correctly, mastery... The pursuit of mastery is secondary to the pursuit of excellence for your clients. I heard that the focus is on your development to be the best you can be for your clients and your work. And in doing that as the primary focus, the secondary thing is mastery comes, almost, rather than the pursuit being mastery. So I'm hearing it's like a byproduct, almost of something else that you're really focusing on, which is to be the best that you can be. And and the other thing I was hearing was, if I stop noticing myself, there's something here about constantly noticing and observing and witnessing yourself in that process.
1: Yeah, that's something I feel strongly about in the sense of that what we don't notice is sometimes is it's actually a very famous quotation that doesn't completely come to mind but something along the lines of our choices and our actions are driven by what we fail to notice really is driving us in ways that we don't even know yeah and I think somewhere that that may have uh, been what brought this on that uh, I want to be able to observe and I think mastery even if we look at it as definition or how is it how it shows up in the moment it is in that in that trust in that being the observer and being completely in that state of not of what you know or what you can do but just being present fully in that moment and when you are present fully then you're naturally an observer right
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I was thinking as you were talking there, Shweta, about this, the model of competence, where the idea is we get to unconscious competence. And of course, the bit that always troubles me about that is the unconscious bit, that the minute I go unconscious, I might stop noticing. And so we could end up having complacency come in. And before we know it, we're unconsciously incompetent again so there's a cycle isn't there that that i'm hearing you highlight here that we have to stay aware we have to stay in a place of observing and noticing and i think i heard you say that really being present and seeking to be present is a way that helps you to do that is that right thank you i think And as you're saying this back to me, I realize it's also very
1: important to talk about the balance because in the noticing of it, if I get distracted from being present again, right? yes, it is important for me to notice how I'm showing up, but it is not something that should distract me in the moment, which is why I think I started with my clients' best interests are front and center. So in that moment, it is not, My performance, my mastery, my effectiveness as a coach. I think I'll go back to uh, what we discovered earlier. Mastery is a byproduct of seeking to be the best I can be for my client in that moment. But a lot of the self reflection piece is something I think I'd like to do later and think about how am I showing up today at this point for my clients? What I want to be able to do in the moment is be aware. So, in that sense, of noticing not as an active act, but noticing as a being able to note if I am not there fully, being able to note if my mind is not fully present or is distracted by anything, or if my mood or my frame is in some way influencing or biasing how I'm showing up for my client. So it is being able to notice that And I think we do that best actually only unconsciously. It's important maybe for me to later think about, am I able to do that? If I catch myself not being able to do that, then I want to definitely spend more time on it. So to be aware of the moments where I was not able to do that, but not to make it a distraction where my noticing of myself is coming in the way of my being the coach in that moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm, that's lovely so being acutely aware and noticing but not perhaps indulging our attention so much into that noticing that it takes us away from the person in front of us again
1: yes i think that's more maybe reflecting about it later how how was i showing up today am i comfortable with how i showed up in in that session mm. So it's again, something I would like to introspect later. Honestly, I love what you said about unconscious because the pursuit of excellence for me is that, that eventually it is something that I should be able to naturally exhibit. But to be able to naturally exhibit that, I think I I need to continuously be learning or be reflecting on how I'm showing up every day.
0: Mm, mm. And that, I think you, there's a really great question coming up there from you, Shweta, of is that possible then? Do you think it's possible to get to a place where you are just naturally doing that? Or do you think that as human beings, it's always something we have to at some point or on some level work on? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Honestly, I think it is natural. It is something that that that's the magic of it, right? Like I said, I was just trying to be my best. Mastery was a byproduct. I think it has to be, and it is hundred percent natural. But at the same time, what you also said is true: is that we have to we have to keep developing ourselves. But in what ways? That to make sure, am I expanding my awareness? Am I noticing myself? And i I've actually said this very often self-doubt is my best friend it's got me almost everything in my life if I did not have a healthy amount of self-doubt I fear I might never have achieved mastery not just in coaching but any sphere of my life because self-doubt helps me ensure that I'm working on myself that I'm prepared that I'm never taking myself for granted but like I said, that's something you just do on an ongoing basis. But how you show up in the session, how you show up every day, that is something which is natural. You can't plan to be masterful in a session. You just are And If there is any way particularly to ensure you're masterful, I think it, it comes back to me for that that, to constantly keep the client's best interest at the center also for me coaching or any helping profession is is almost sacred in the fact that we need to be aware that it's a huge responsibility people are coming to us in their most vulnerable moments they're sharing their most vulnerable parts with us and to that extent it is my duty to make sure that i am prepared to handle with care with love The vulnerability that that they share with me Mm. and again to it is also towards that responsibility that this self-work comes up that i have to work on myself and make sure that uh, because again my work with uh, human behavior and brain one thing i strongly believe is that we can accidentally block people psychologically block people we can accidentally damage people I mean, we can do that anyway, as people living our lives, but as coaches, as people that someone, when you're someone trusts, when someone is showing you the part of themselves that maybe they themselves haven't made peace with, in that moment, we, I, I, I consider it a huge responsibility to be allowed to witness that moment. And it is, I think, that huge responsibility that makes me work on myself because I have to be sure that I can handle it in a way that best serves my client, that preserves my client's best interests. And even if it may be to say that I'm not the right person to talk to you about this today, if that's what serves my client's best interests, that's what I have to do. But it always has to be what is the right choice, not for my client. I'm sorry, not for me, not for my business, but for my client's.
0: Yeah. What's really coming across, Shweta, is I've heard you say quite a few times, I have to work on myself. And it's really striking, because when we first learn this skill of coaching, and we learn the competencies and the behaviours and how we ask questions and how we listen, we can so often be taught that it's not about us it's about the client it's client centered it's all about the client and yet as we go through that journey and what i'm hearing you say is that it isn't all about the client it's equally about us and the quality of our presence and how are we continuing to work on ourselves so that we are the best and i'm conscious this is my word the best partner to them in service of that client so there's a little bit of a paradox in a way that the work is in service of the client and it is about the client and yet I can't ignore my own development in that process it is it's equally about who I'm being in that moment what is that resonating with you it is but in part that it is still all
1: about the client and because it's all about the client i have to be aware of how i am influencing the client or the impact that i might be having on the client and then it becomes about me too
0: yeah yeah so we're not we're not amputated from the 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 process are we we're there whatever energy or bias or emotional thinking that we are sitting with is in the mix. Exactly.
1: And I love that you brought up the competencies and and, uh, all of those. There's a part of me that wonders if some of the learning, now I love the competencies and that the way of thinking that they give us, but in the way that we are taught to exhibit the competencies. So when we break those competencies down to skills, that this is the skill that a coach needs, I have sometimes wondered if that is something we need as coaches to feel comfortable coaching. Because eventually all of that becomes secondary to the fact of, maybe it becomes unconscious and that's why it becomes secondary. I remember when I started Powerful questions were like such a big deal, right? Being able to think of the powerful question and hearing all the most powerful questions in the world, I thought would help me. Having a list of powerful questions might help me. And they no longer do because the power of the question comes through its usefulness and relevance in the moment. And some of the most... uh, you know, deep sounding, fancy, powerful questions that we read out there, maybe of absolutely no service to our clients if they're not ready for to go there at that point, or if that's not what they need. That That is something I smile about that maybe being able to ask powerful questions was something I needed to do to feel confident in my own abilities to show up in that coaching session. Because in the session all that matters is again that that connection you start to trust today I think I venture to even call myself masterful is because I know that I will have the question I just know that the question will I, I will just come up with the best question and if you ask me in advance how or what it would be I have no clue but just Again, being in a place where I'm fully present where my client's best interests is what I serve. And when I truly care, and I use that word very consciously because I know we were taught to keep our emotions out of it, but I truly believe that mastery is mine because I care. And because I truly care about not the action plan, the outcome, the delivery, no, I care about the client. I care about the quality of our interaction. So I know the questions will come. Mm. And knowing that the questions will come actually just allows me to naturally then listen better
0: Mm.
1: to be in the moment because I just know the rest of it will happen.
0: Mm. I'm, I'm loving your... The piece about trust that you're bringing in, I know it will happen. I know the question will come to me, and also just what you've what you brought there, Shweta, around I care about the person. There's a topic and a goal that they're trying to achieve, and there's this person that has that goal, and you're really caring. Not about the three-step action plan necessarily, but about the person that wants to achieve that goal and is working towards that goal.
1: Yes. Mm. I think, again, that's a very personal view. I think that's what makes me a good coach is I truly care. And if anybody asks me what is something I need to become a coach, I get that question. How do I know I can be a coach? Is it because I can listen better or I ask really amazing things? And I, I was like, you have to love people. You have to love people. Because again, if I'm asked to, going back to that word mastery, I think mastery again comes from the belief, not just in ourselves, but in our clients. The belief in the uniqueness, the relevance, the beauty of every human experience of every client's experience and I use the word relevance very consciously because sometimes people talk about how in coaching sessions their client may seem to talk about something that doesn't seem relevant I was like you have to uh, sometimes we have to accept that the relevance of what they feel is relevant so just accepting the beauty and the relevance and the uniqueness of every lived experience of every client And the second belief that I'm just believing that my client can find their answers. Because if I can't believe that, I can't coach them. So to me, really, it's about those beliefs that, again, three, (laughs) I think three is a magic number for me. One is in the experience, the belief that the client can find their own answers and a belief in the process, a belief in exploration for the sake of exploration. That's another thing that I talk about. For me, the turning point to mastery or even to getting an MCC from ICF was not, when I actually shifted from thinking just about the goal and the accountability, that is very important to valuing exploration. Because when we value exploration and we trust that honest exploration with the client, will bring us the answers, I think the quality of the coaching goes to another level. Mm. So well, for me, it's just three beliefs there.
0: <laughs> that's wonderful. And I'm conscious that everyone's pathway of mastery is different because we're all unique, as you shared. I've heard two Really pivotal points for you that you've just described. One was this move away from the desire to have a lovely list of really powerful questions to trusting that the question will come. So it's not about me picking a question, it's about a question coming and that's relevant in that moment. And then I also heard you just share about just the power of exploration for the sake of exploration. What else, for those listening, who might be asking that question more, well, how do I find my way towards mastery? What other milestones or insights or shifts were you, would you say were, have been part of and are still a part of your journey? that you would share?
1: Milestones and pivots, I think the, the big one for me is the one I already share is realizing that we evoke awareness through exploration. We evoke deeper awareness through deep exploration. And sometimes staying too shallow with to quickly get to an action plan is actually what takes away from mastery. So just knowing that awareness is evoked from honest exploration, I think was a huge turning point. And even that trust that I spoke about, trusting that the question will come, I think that comes from coaching. That comes from actually coaching. When we say we need a certain number of hours to achieve the MCC, that makes a lot more sense to me now because you can't learn that in a classroom. I could actually reduce it to a formula and teach it but it still won't work for you because because when you've coached enough is when you know that when you at least for me I I keep saying you when I had coached enough is when I developed the trust in myself that allowed me to be truly present to explore and to evoke awareness in a way that I couldn't have to start with. Mm -hmm. So it was really just going out there and coaching people. And I often say this in, in multiple ways, that one of the ways we destroy our mastery or even our success as a coach is by trying to shortcut the process. Because coaching is something which and I was back in the day when I first got my first coach training I was in my mid to late 20s it was 2007 and yeah I was very impatient right if I've learned coaching now I have to be the best coach as soon as I can be but that's actually not how things really panned out so I do have the the benefit of hindsight here but it took years and I realized for all the learnings and the millions of training programs. And I did at least five different coach training programs because each one was more fascinating than the last. So mm-hmm. I would keep doing them, but it was actually the practice of coaching mm-hmm. more than the classroom that brought me closer to mastery. If I can say that I'm there today. Because in every moment that you spend with the client, I think you evolve with every session, with every client, with with every moment of insight.
0: Mm. It feels... Uh, it, the words coming up for me, Shweta, is delicious. That's the word <laughs> that, that I've got in my mind as you're talking. Just a delicious practice. And and I, I think you're saying something so important here when we want to learn and progress through education and through training and through more knowledge, which, of course, is wonderful. And I love learning new things as well. However, it doesn't actually get us to that place of mastery, if ever that even exists, of course, as we're saying, because it's ongoing. But it's actually in the daily practice in this becoming part of what we do who we are that is what transport that creates the movement that's what i'm feeling is that's what creates the movement really
1: yes that's it is then i love that you brought us who we are it's and also who we can when we unfold into everything that we will be with the Another thing, in fact, uh, this brings me back to what you earlier said about important is that the realization that I don't have to be a coach all the time. And this is with a lot of respect to the belief, which I partly agree with, that yes, coaching changes you. Mastery changes you. Mastery does change how you live your life. But honestly, if I had to exist with the coach energy all day, every day, I think I'd just burn out.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Mm. that yes it does take you to a a deeper level of awareness it does give you a a different way of looking at things but I think also losing the burden of needing to be that all the time if I can be completely accepting non-judgmental you know what I bring what I call a not i call i think it was carl rogers who coined this term unconditional positive regard Mm -hmm. in that moment i do not just accepting that i do not have to bring unconditional positive regard to everything every moment every person in my life every day that i'm allowed to be human that i'm allowed to have my low points that i'm allowed to judge people when i'm hurting i'm allowed to hurt yeah. and I'm allowed to not be my best self when I'm in pain and I'm in hurt and actually recognizing that I'm allowed to not be my best self also allows me to draw the boundaries that I am not right now the best person to be coaching someone mm-hmm. instead of expecting myself I took I think almost a six month to a year break from my uh coaching because of uh, Because I was, I knew that I was not the best person during that uh, phase of my life. And this was much post MCC when I was a, a, you know, decently well-known practicing coach. There was a year where I chose not to coach. I was going through a sort of a breakdown in my uh, life where I felt that I would not bring my highest or my best self in the session. That is when we are in the danger of accidentally passing on our patterns to our client. So the only right choice was to not be there. But that that has been, I think, an important turning point for me in my coaching again, to trust that I will be what I need to be in the session, even if I can't be that 24 hours a day, because I don't need to be that 24 hours a day.
0: Mm. Mm. It's so important, isn't it, to remember that whilst we are sincerely seeking to be our best selves and to bring some of these beautiful qualities that you've been sharing, we are still human beings. And we are still at the behest of judgments, and at the behest of reactions, and pain and anger and self doubt, which was something you mentioned earlier, we know And life still happens to us. So we still sometimes, and I'm saying that because I know, again, I've had many students who go through a crisis almost of their learning, thinking, my God, I have to be perfect to be this amazing coach. I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I can't judge and I've got to be present. Yes, and we are still human beings and we don't, because we're coaches, we don't suddenly levitate or we are still human and at the behest of the human experience and the human psyche. And that's okay.
1: Exactly. And again, to trust that we can channelize what we need to. I think a lot of us, I think for me also that became A little uncomfortable at the point where we're talking about being a coach versus doing coaching i am 100 percent on board with that concept that being a coach is more important than doing coaching which may be interpreted as just carrying out the the skills the steps and the competencies but when we start talking about being a coach as a place we are in life always right that has made me into this great person I'm very happy to hear that but I'm also concerned about the guilt we create when we say things like that to all the people who aren't able to be in coach energy in in all parts and which is why this was an important turn and even to realize there are other parts of my life where I get paid to have excellent judgment (laughs) I serve on for-profit board if I was completely non-judgmental there I might be so my discretion is as much my superpower yeah as my ability to leave it aside but I think more than that I'd be concerned if I was not able to be aware of it So it's actually not so much about being in that state all the time, but being able to be aware when I am there and when I'm not. Mm -hmm. To know that, yes, this is, I was very judgmental when I thought this. Or I'm being very judgmental when I'm expressing this opinion. So I think that it's more important for me that I know and I'm aware of how I'm showing up in that moment and that I can exercise a conscious choice to shift to the place where I need to be for the activity that I'm in that moment.
0: Yeah. It's wonderful because in all of this exploration that we've done today, Shweta, we seem to have come back full circle to how aware am I again, which is something that you said right at the beginning. Am I noticing my presence or am I noticing how I'm feeling So we come back to that foundational point. I'm conscious that we're probably coming towards the end of our conversation for today. If I was to ask you, maybe for those listeners who are listening to our podcast at the moment, our conversation, anything else that you would like to say or share in service of helping people to understand. Your perspective, or sharing your perspective around mastery, is
1: actually the, the one one thing which we haven't, which we've missed talking about. I think, which is, which came up more tangentially, but I'd like to put the words out there: is ethics in coaching, and what that means for me again, is being able to put your client's best interests first. So I know about talking about best interests, but again, when whenever we have a conversation about ethics and how to be sure that we're making the ethical choice, I think this gives me a little bit of an easy North Star or an easy decision point is to continually ask myself that question, that what would serve my client's best interests? I think we naturally make more ethical choices when we use that question and we naturally show up more powerfully as coaches when we use that question what is in my client's best interest in any moment so it all also comes back down for me to that that uh, you know one major point is about being aware of yourself trusting exploration and always putting the client's best interest before any other consideration I told you three was a magic number (laughs) and for anybody on, who's on the journey, I just say that keep coaching with your best intentions and mastery will be yours. That mastery is not something we can engineer, but when we continue to serve the best interests of our clients, when we continue to remain in the practice of coaching, mastery will just present itself to us.
0: Wow. That sounds like the perfect note to press pause on our conversation today, Shweta. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed listening to you. And you've certainly stimulated my thinking and reminded me of some very important concepts and philosophies and principles here, and also given me some insight on some new things that I'm going to explore for myself. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me and thank you for this amazing conversation
0: you have been listening to coaching in conversation the mastery series a podcast that takes a look at mastery in coaching what it is what that means how do we nurture or cultivate it and many other interesting questions you can hear more about coaching education and development at tracysinclair.com and follow us on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and also share it with your network to help us expand our reach. Thank you for listening and see you next time.